1: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelsner. Hello,
0: I am so excited you're joining me today. My name is Mike Stelzner, and this is the Social Media Marketing Podcast. This is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what in the world works with social media. I am really, really excited about today's show on multiple levels. First of all, what we're going to do in today's show is explore Facebook marketing and paid advertising with Facebook expert John Loomer. Now, I know you might be thinking, paid advertising, what the heck? I think you're going to discover a ton of new ideas, very, very inexpensive ideas, but just super creative ways that you can actually, with not a lot of money, use Facebook to accomplish some really killer things. I'm also going to answer a caller question about whether or not it makes sense to start a blog inside of a niche. But first, one of the reasons why I'm so jazzed is we are, at the time of this recording, I'm about 10 days out from Social Media Marketing World. By the time you listen to this, it'll be just about a month since Social Media Marketing World. And I just wanna share with you What an amazing experience it was. I mean, yes, it was my conference, but honestly, I was completely blown away. Um, It was just like a gathering of some of the coolest people that you could ever, ever imagine. And the overwhelming response from people was, wow, 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 wow. Um, And what was really cool about this was I took my wife and my three kids um, down there On Sunday afternoon before the conference started, and I gave them kind of a behind-the-scenes tour. My oldest is 11, and she has aspirations to want to be involved with entertainment, and I had taken her and all the kids to Universal Studios about 10 days earlier. And it was so cool to be able to take her in and have her talk to the sound engineers and the production people. Uh, they gave her kind of a behind-the-curtains tour on how all the backstage production stuff was working and how all the different equipment was working. And the audio engineer guys were like guys from, I guess, the TV world or whatever, were explaining how everything worked. And I walked her around, brought her into our war room where they saw all the people working behind the scenes getting ready for the thing. And just walked them through all the the, the the areas of the conference. And my wife doesn't really know exactly what I do. And my dad was there and my stepmom were there. And they were just absolutely blown away. And it was so cool to be able to show them um, kind of before it all started, um, all the production and stuff that went into this. And, and they were absolutely blown away. Another thing that was really, really cool was all the amazing people that I got to make connections with and while it's super awesome to connect with people on Twitter, to connect with you here on a podcast, to connect with people on Facebook, there is something special about physically coming together and, and and meeting the people that you've been watching or interacting with online. And I just don't know how to explain it, but the social media marketing world is full of some of the coolest, most social people you could ever ever imagine. And you know, there's really no way to, for me to completely explain this To you. So, actually, what I'm going to do is play for you uh, a clip that my friend Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast Answer Man, um, a couple quick clips about what his experience was at this conference, just so you can kind of get the idea.
1: Now, of course, why wasn't I in San Diego, California? Many of you know I was there to speak at Michael Stelzner's social media marketing world conference. It's his first conference ever. You would have never guessed it. In a million years, if you did not know that this was his first conference, you would have never, ever dreamed it was his first conference, physical conference anyway, uh, for this this brand. And wow, it was awesome. Over 1,100 people in attendance. The vibe and the feel and the energy that was in the room during the keynote address was just out of this world. I loved the fact that they had a networking session for one hour immediately following that uh, opening keynote, which really just, uh, I loved having that, but uh, it was just an amazing event. Uh, The networking opportunities, the way that they did their networking, the first opening night uh, before the conference officially kicked off, they had an opening networking party at the uh, Natural History Museum in San Diego. Talk about a cl- here here's one word that I would actually um say that that would that would give you an overall feel it was a classy event now this conference was not an inexpensive I- event for people to attend, but for the price that was paid they were they were treated to a very classy event um and 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 it and it showed especially from the very first one. Uh, networking opportunity, which was at the Natural History Museum, and that was just wow! Jazz music from Filmer Sean and his friends, the the social media marketing world band. Um, it, it you know just just the you know hobnobbing with people in this high class place. It was just really cool. It was it was unique and an experience all in and of itself. And the the number of people that I was introduced to uh, and that, that I just met randomly, wow, great opportunities there. And uh, I'm certain that many things will come out of that.
0: Well, you know, there's Cliff's words for you. And, um, you know, this is the kind of thing that we heard over and over again. It was just so awesome. And, you know, people are still at the time of this recording tweeting about it with the hashtag and, bazillions of blog posts have been written about it. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. So with that, what I would like to do is transition over to answering one of the uh, caller questions that we've got from Matt. Let's go ahead and transition over to that now.
1: Fresh off the jungle trail, here's this week's social question. My name is Matt. I'm uh, considering
2: starting a, a blog or a website. Um, and I'm wondering how important you think niche is having a niche topic, uh, especially when, uh, while it has a, a very focused audience, it also has a, uh, a lower ceiling for success. Curious, um, your thoughts.
0: Hey, Matt, that's a wonderful question. Um you know, you bring up a really good point. You can go very broad with a blog and try to attract a much larger audience, or you can go very deep or very narrow and try to get a more engaged audience. At the end of the day, I strongly believe it makes the most amount of sense to develop a niche because if you write about something that is so broad, then you're not going to really appeal to anyone. You're just going to kind of barely appeal to lots of people. But if you write about something that's very, very specific, an area perhaps where you have a passion or where you want to explore, you're going to get a much more uh, engaged audience and they're going to get behind you because this is something that people are very interested in. I'll give you two examples, and they're both from my experience. Um, When I used to own a marketing agency uh, back in the early 2000s after the dot-com bust, um, I decided to focus on white papers. And white papers were just beginning to get popular, and I started a blog called Michael Stelzner's Writing White Papers. And all I did was talk about the art and craft and marketing using white papers, And what this did was this allowed me to draw an audience to me about a very, very specific thing, a very narrow audience. But what ended up happening was huge. Uh, As a result of it, anybody who was looking to hire someone to write a white paper, basically I was the one that was dominating in the search engine results. I was the one that everybody was referring. And I built a very, very successful business just focusing on the creation and marketing of white papers. Um, I decided to put that business to rest when I started Social Media Examiner. Social Media Examiner again is a niche thing. Social Media Examiner is targeting businesses who want to ha- learn how to use social media. Now you could off- you could argue that that's broad, but in indeed it's it's not. It's narrow because I could have just started something about marketing in general, but instead I decided to f- have it focused on social media marketing. And if you listen to this podcast or you read Social Media Examiner, uh, the fruits of that labor are blatantly obvious. So bottom line, niche, 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 go niche, Matt. Don't even hesitate. It's not a limitation in reality. It's actually a benefit. Now, if you have a question that you would like me to address in a future episode of our podcast, you can go ahead and submit that question for consideration at socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail. You'll be prompted to be able to record that right from your computer and I'll get notification when that's uh, recorded and I'll be able to go through them and decide if it makes sense to include in the show. So with that, let's transition over to today's interview. I'm very excited with John Loomer on Facebook marketing.
1: To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest.
0: I am very excited to be joined today by John Loomer John used to do social media for the NBA and the American Cancer Society before going out on his own in 2011. Today, John blogs about advanced Facebook marketing over at johnloomer.com, J-O-N-L-O-O-M-E-R.com. John, super excited to have you on the show today. Welcome.
2: Mike, very thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: So today, John and I are gonna explore Facebook, edge rank and advanced paid Facebook marketing. And we're going to dig into it. As a matter of fact, John, let's start with this first question, edge rank. Now I know a fair amount of people that are listening right now are familiar with edge rank, but for those that aren't, can you quickly define what is edge rank and why it's important?
2: Sure. So edge rank is the unofficial term, uh, for Facebook's, uh, sorting algorithm. So you probably know that you do not see everything that is published in your newsfeed. So depending on your affinity, so your, your connection with uh, specific people and pages, uh, as well as you, you know how you've interacted with a specific content type in the past, and then the, the weight. Um, so again, that's, that is uh, Facebook putting a weight on, in particular, as we've seen, uh, post types like status updates or photos. And in time, the older something is, the less likely it is that you shall see it. So in a perfect world, EdgeRank helps you see what you want to see.
0: So talk to me about what does that really mean for the marketer who's listening right now?
2: They need to be interesting is really what it means. I mean, there are a lot of screams from marketers about EdgeRank because um, they say it filters out. um, A lot of their fans don't get to see their content. And... The responsibility for that um, ultimately falls on the marketer providing interesting, engaging content. If you provide that type of content that they want to see, they will show Facebook that they want to see it by either liking, commenting, sharing, or simply by clicking on a photo, clicking on a link. Uh, Any kind of action, Facebook tracks that. So you need that. And the more people do it, the, more, the higher percentage of your fans will actually see your content.
0: So said another way, um, what Facebook does is it watches to see whether me and you as users of Facebook um, engage with certain kinds of content. For example, maybe a social media examiner post. If we like it, there's something going on there. If we leave a comment on it, there's something going on there. And the more we do that, the greater likelihood we'll see more of the content coming from that brand. And then there's also the amount of time or decay, right? So, mm-hmm. um, do you have any idea how long it is after a post goes live that it may be seen by the fans of your page?
2: No, it's just that the longer it's been, the less likely it is you'll see it. But this is an example, though, of how Edgerank can help you. Because if it were just a, a straight stream, uh, you see everything. If you're like with Twitter, for example you're not on when that tweet goes out you're not going to see it because you're only going to scan back so far but with edge rank uh, while something may be a little bit older meaning it could be a few hours or even 12 hours old if you have shown that you have a, a close connection to this to this page or person and if other people are interacting with it Facebook's going to surface it to the top so what, you know once you get out of that 12 hours or so window pretty unlikely you're going to see it though.
0: So the moral of the story here is you want to encourage your fans to act somehow, uh, on your Facebook updates. And I've seen call to actions, for example, mm-hmm. in a simple status update that says something like, uh, hit the like button. If you agree, um, I'm imagining those are, those are ways to kind of re-engage fans that maybe haven't seen it in a while. Is that true? They are.
2: They yeah. are. Um, what I would avoid is is only posting that way. Right. Right. So there are a lot of lot of brands out there who um, I don't want to necessarily call it shortcuts, but it seems like every single post is of a, of a fluffy, cute cat. Or <laughs> this call to action, fill in the blank, blah blah blah. But yeah. you know, yeah. eventually you've got to have some personality um, and some soul, and I think you kind of lack that when every single post is this pretty transparent marketing message call to action type of thing.
0: So let's talk about Facebook metrics here. Um obviously Facebook provides a lot of analytics. Um what in your opinion should be uh examined by marketers to kind of know whether or not what they're doing is working?
2: It really depends. It depends on your goals on Facebook. I mean for me, I'm a publisher and I make money the more people by, by people going to my website. So uh, since I have I have sponsors on my site more traffic, the better. Some of of that traffic results in um, additional revenue as well. But I need traffic. So I focus on consumptions, which is a stat that very few people know about. And within consumptions is a stat called link clicks. So if you're a publisher, those are two things that you need to follow. But you don't even know about them unless you dig into your exports.
0: Talk to me about what consumption means.
2: Consumption is any type of click, whether it resulted in a story or not. So it could be a comment, like, or share, but it could also be a photo click, video play, link click, or any other click. Facebook records them all.
0: Interesting. So, and then underneath that category is the link click. Mm -hmm. And does it somehow provide you a a list of all the external uh, links that people click on and allow you to kind of see which stuff had more clicks?
2: Yeah. So for example, uh, the post level export, um, uh, lists out all of your posts over a given time period. And then you can look at it post by post basis, which posts had the most overall consumptions, but which posts had the most link, link clicks. And if you had a post that had a link in it, uh, you will get link clicks in it that uh, Facebook tracks for you.
0: Now, um, Does this mean that um, since we know that there is a time decay to Facebook updates, does this mean that perhaps some of the more popular links that you've shared on Facebook, you may want to share again at a later date if you're a publisher? I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. And actually, I did
2: um, a little experiment on this last year. And what I was doing since, and it depends on your audience as well, but Um, and and social media examiners the same way. We've we've got international audiences where we don't only apply to people in the U.S. So we want to make sure that we reach those people who are in completely different time zones halfway across the world. So what I was doing was um, scheduling out uh, kind of resharing links uh, to, to some of my articles, more popular ones, but in the middle of the night when I was sleeping. And what I found was um, first of all, because the thought is always, well, if they're seeing it over and over, um, you're going to get more negative feedback. Well, they weren't seeing it over and over because more often than not, a completely new audience saw it the second time. Mm. And, um, and since the average user is on 30 to 60 minutes a day, average user, only half of the average users are on every day. Um, if, if you space it out correctly um, with that time time decay in mind, you can post post multiple times times a day. That said, I would not say I would not post uh, my my recent post this morning at eight a.m. and then tonight at eight p.m. I wouldn't do that, but I would I would reshare the exact same or essentially the same thing, maybe three weeks or a month later, at, at a completely different time though.
0: Well, this is a perfect transition over to my next question about Facebook targeting. Um, uh, which may or may not kind of get us into Facebook advertising as well, but mm-hmm. obviously um, Facebook over the last few months made it easy for you to target your updates to uh, different audiences. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And um, did you use that, for example, when you're targeting people, for example, outside the United States? I'm just curious if you can expand a little bit on that.
2: Yeah, so you, there, there are various uh, forms of targeting. You can, you can target your posts or you can target your ads. I am personally not a big uh, post-targeter. And the reason for that is, uh, I mean, there are two reasons for it, really. I mean, the first is that you ultimately cut some people out this way. So when you create a post, you're, gonna, you're only targeting certain countries. You're not targeting an, an entire uh, time zone, for example. Right? So you, you'd have to do a post for every single country uh, and to make sure you reach everyone who you want to reach. Gotcha. Well, I'm fine with that kind of targeting with ads because I want to s- dedicate my ad spend only to uh, specific countries. In most cases, um, wh- whoever liked my page, I want them to see see my stuff if if they can. Um, so I'm not. I wasn't a big fan of it because of that. I mean, the second thing that I ran into was um, once once you say uh, start targeting multiple demographics in separate posts, they all show up on your page. So you have to hide, hide ones from your timeline. So they don't all show there.
0: Very interesting.
2: The whole thing was just kind of clunky for me. Yeah. So, so for me though, where the, the power of Facebook targeting comes to life is within advertising. And Facebook is constantly releasing something new to make, make it just ad- incredibly powerful as far as the level of, of targeting involved.
0: Let's, let's dig into this a little bit. So on the Facebook advertising side, kind of reveal some of the newer things that Facebook has been doing with targeting.
2: So you know, going back a little bit, uh, last year, customer audiences were first rolled out. And this allowed you to target your customer list, your offline customer list. So it could be uh, the email addresses you have collected, could be phone numbers you've collected, uh, Facebook UIDs you've collected. So these are people who have proven to subscribe to your content or buy something from you in the past. Um, so then, whether or not they are actually your fans, you could create ads that are targeted at those people. Mm. So you could use it for various various ways. Uh, it could be to to grow your your fan base with relevant people who have already proven to enjoy your stuff. Say. Hey, uh, you know, like my page, kind of stuff. Really simple. You know, they already like you, and you can exclude people who already like your page. So it's only people on my customer list who don't like my page create this ad for them. Mm-hmm. So you could also really kind of tailor your messaging to those people. But the the powerful stuff is then when you start getting to selling. Well, you know, I hear you hear a lot about how uh, you can't sell products on Facebook, but this is I think an, ex- uh, an example where it can be. Um, an exception to that rule. Because if you have a customer list of people who have purchased uh, version 1.0 of some widget, right, and then version 2.0, so, so you've got this really segmented list, version 2.0 is released. You've, you're already emailing, sent them an email blast, but you're not going to email them every day. Right. But you, could, you do this in conjunction with your emailing. You create ads to remind them when they're on Facebook. So whether or not that Facebook ad leads to direct sale, you're all over the place reminding them, Hey, you've got version 1.0, 2.0 is out. I know you love 1.0, go get it. So it's a really good way to stay top of mind, stay top of mind and and drive those uh, relevant sales.
0: Yeah. Let's explore this for a minute because I think it's very intriguing. And when I first heard about it, I was really quite intrigued to be honest with you, because one of the thoughts that came through my mind was, why can't I just take for example, all 205,000 people on social media examiners list imported into Facebook. And then Facebook will probably tell me some demographic breakdowns of that list, won't they? Because they've got all this. Now we've created kind of a a group and doesn't it reveal kind of the demographics of that group after you've imported that list into Facebook?
2: Um, once you've imported that list, I mean, you'll get, you'll get the, the number of
0: people on the list genders, locations, right?
2: Well, so, so this is what happens. Um, once it's in, you can uh, start saying, I want to target only people within certain countries. And then you'll see how many people are within those groups on your list, right? Just kind of by, I guess, uh, process of elimination or trial and error in that way.
0: It's, but, a, it's um, a powerful way to get... I mean, yeah. it's an indirect way, John, of getting demographics on your list. Because Absolutely. if you know you know, what percentage of the email imports happen to be on Facebook and you say that you want to target, uh, women, you know, um, you can quickly see what percentage of that is women. And all of a sudden you've got some brilliant insight into your list. Um, that could be, I I believe
2: there was a, a, an article on social media examiner about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Actually, I think I told whoever it was to write. Yeah. Andrea, I (laughs) I asked her to write that article, but the other thing about it, that's a little scary. And I'm sure some people listening right now might be thinking this is, do I trust Facebook with my email list? And what are the privacy implications here? Um, can you speak to that a little bit?
2: Yeah. And I, and I understand that, but this is what happens. So you, you upload that list to Facebook, uh, Facebook doesn 't see anything they uh, hash it out and automatically connect it to accounts that are already there they don 't then share that data with anybody um, it's I know it 's confusing to users so but but the thing is when you see an ad surface to you you don 't know how it is they targeted you that you don 't know if it was via Importing an email list, or if it's because you you fit a certain demographic, um, you may realize ads are more and more relevant. But uh, other than that, I don't see necessarily a there's there's not there's not a privacy breach there. Yeah, and and so and Facebook's not taking those email addresses and giving them to anybody else these are email addresses you already own for yourself.
0: Right. I think the uh, tricky thing that a lot of us that have big email lists might be concerned about is, um, is it's, it's, it's really a trust factor, right? I mean, like is, mm-hmm. can we trust Facebook that those emails are dumped and it's just, uh, basically what's left is just an aggregate big list of people that happen to have, uh, emails affiliated with those accounts. That's the first issue. And you're telling us you can. And then the second issue is um uh is it a violation of any kind of privacy policies that may be in place? And because it's just kind of an aggregate generic kind mm-hmm. of thing, you're saying no. But I just I just know these are the thoughts that go through the mind of marketers, oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? Because when you're talking yes. about your number one asset, which is your email list, you know, it's kind of a scary thing and frankly I thought twice and I didn't do it. Um I was going to do it when we were promoting social media marketing world, but I decided not to just because I just wasn't sure, you know?
2: No, I was the same way.
0: And, um, So you've tried this.
2: I have tried it. Absolutely. And and it's, it has been effective. Um, and ultimately you're showing, what you're doing is you're showing ads to people who have proven to be interested in your content and giving them re- relevant ads. And so you're not, when you're doing this, you're not giving your email, their email addresses to anyone. Right. It's just a matter of, uh, it's kind of like another kind of retargeting type. It's of like thing, a really. cookie almost really right? indirectly.
0: Right. All right. I want to switch gears a little bit here and talk about promoted posts. What are your thoughts about promoted posts? Do they work? Should we use them? Why?
2: Okay. So quick background on why, uh, they're, they're used and why they're useful. And because there's a lot of controversy around promoted posts, right? so we're told that somewhere around 10 to 15 to 16 percent ish, depends on the page, of our fans see a given post, right? And there's been a big uproar about that. You you, you know, it, uh, we don't need to hash it out too much, but the the claim is it's because of edge rank people pre- and preventing people from seeing our content. It's really not, we we could get in this debate about the mathematics around. <laughs> How many people can see your stuff if Facebook didn't uh, um, filter stuff at all? But uh, that's a whole other discussion. But essentially what a promoted post is, helping you reach more of your fans who weren't around to see your content when you published it or who didn't see it because they haven't proven to care much about your content in the past. So that's and, and a promoted post. So when you click that promote button, it makes it really, really easy for the newbie uh, advertiser, really, when it comes down to it, it automatically generates this campaign with two to three ads in it now this is my, this is my feeling um, Anyone who considers themselves uh, an advanced or wanting to be an advanced advertiser, do not do this. Uh, what you should be doing is using Power Editor because when you use Power Editor, you have much much more control over this campaign
0: okay, so hold you, tight before you get into power editor for a second. Yeah. Let's talk about what's the downside to promoted posts.
2: Sure. So so if you just use a regular old promoted post, you have no control over the placement. You have no control so so whether it goes uh, into the mobile newsfeed only or desktop newsfeed only or sidebar or whatever. You don't have control over your targeting. So if let's say you only want to target specific countries, maybe even a specific city. Like I said before, you don't care who sees your post when it's organic, right. but you wanna, you're you a little bit pickier about who you're going to spend your money on. Right. So you have no control, no control over that really, I mean minimal control over the promoted post. And then um, other things like you could start targeting interests um, and you start working in, I and mean, we haven't gotten yet, but partner categories, when you start looking at well, it, this person, do they make $100,000 or more? Do they own a car? you know, all, all, uh, they live in a household of six. So they, are they a stay at home mom? You can start spending your money only on those people who are, who are also your fans. If you do it within power editor, you can't do that within promoted posts. You have no control also over bid type. It's only optimized CPM within promoted posts. Within power editor, you can choose basically split test, right? You can create all kinds of ads, figure out what works best within power. Editor.
0: Okay. So, um, we have tried promoted posts and because we have a rather large Facebook following about 130,000, mm. you know, we're talking about 500 bucks exactly. uh, typically to do something like that, um, uh, versus $7 on the personal profile. And we've tried both, you know, um, on the personal profile, it's worth it, I think, to try the seven bucks. But, um, what I hear you saying is, you know, rather than blow 500 bucks or $200, or even a hundred dollars, depending on how many fans you have, um, you can actually be a little bit more judicious and economical with your campaigns by using Power Editor. Is that what you're saying? Exactly.
2: exactly. So- and as you know, with, within uh, the, the Proto Post, um, you only have certain options, right? Right. So your minimum was, you said, you know, a few hundred dollars. Right. Within Power Editor, you have full, full control over that. You can, you can make it a dollar a day budget, You know, whatever it is you want. And again, you can make it more efficient by focusing only on specific people, so you don't waste money on people you don't want to spend your money on.
0: Okay, so let's start with what is Power Editor. Is this like a Facebook app or something, or what the heck is it?
2: Yeah, it's a browser plugin. Uh, It used to be just Chrome, but now when you go to facebook.com slash Power Editor, and I do it at least from Safari, it goes straight to it. Uh, You may have to install it, though. I I think it's a plugin regardless uh, for, for your browser. And it's essentially a bulk ad editor. So, if you are someone like me who likes to uh, split test and create many, many ads, this is a much, much easier way to do it. Um, but it also has, so, whenever Facebook rolls out some new cool tool, right, whether it's, uh, it's awesome, uh, like customizes, partner categories, look like audiences, all this kind of stuff, the, first they always go to their ads API. And which goes to third-party tools, and Power Editor.
0: So Power wow. Editor is a third-party tool that integrates with the Facebook ad interface is what you're saying, right?
2: It's, it's not third-party, though. Oh, it isn't? It, okay. It's is, it is Facebook, but it, it that they, they roll out um, their their new stuff, their new features, to Power Editor in First. addition to the third-party uh, API. Um, but the, the main ad interface, the self-serve ad tool, often doesn't get this stuff or they do much later. because It's it's really kind of along the same theme of promoted posts. It's dedicated to making it as simple as possible for a newer advertiser or trying not to overwhelm them, uh, keeping the steps simple. So uh, they cut out a lot of the the more advanced stuff uh, from the main ad interface.
0: Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what Power Editor can do. And I don't know if this partner categories thing is related to this or not, but can you share a little bit about what you can do with Power Editor that you can't do elsewhere?
2: Sure. So within Power Editor, um, you can you can create uh, it's, the, all the different, uh, like we were talking about with Promoted Post, first of all, all the various uh, split testing you can do. Like, I want to say target mobile devices only. And when I target those mobile devices, I want to target only ios devices Mm. when i target those ios devices i want to target only iphones not ipads you can do that within power editor all right Um, and then placement like like i said placement so it's only mobile you could do only news feed uh, both mobile and desktop or only desktop all these split testing options um, you can do within power editor uh, you often only don't have like, regular CPM options within the main uh, ad, ad manager which you do within Power Editor. Domain-sponsored stories, custom audiences, creating the custom audiences, look like audiences, partner categories, conversion tracking, most of those either aren't available now within the main advertising interface or they weren't available when it was first rolled out and it were, when they were rolled out to uh, Power Editor.
0: Okay, so let's talk about partner categories because I've heard you mention it quite a bit. What is that and, and how does it work?
2: Great. Yeah, it's uh, really, really interesting. So, Facebook partnered with, let's see if I remember the, the three uh, data Logics, Epsilon, and uh, Axiom. Okay. So, three uh, companies that provide, that have a whole lot of data right. on user behavior. So, purchases, demographics, how much money they make, whether they own a car or not, how, when they bought that car, on and on and on. There are 500 categories, over 500 categories now, and they're going to add to it. Wow. So this has nothing to do with their behavior on Facebook. This is on other sites and offline, and so you can now target these people um, based on these categories. So here, here's an example, uh, and, and so so a reason why this is useful. Because so, otherwise, um, you know, before you had custom audiences and things like that, your targeting was based on the accuracy of someone's profile and how much information they provided within it. Right? Gotcha. But with, with uh, these, the uh, partner categories, let's say and this is an extreme example where you're probably not going to sell a car on, <laughs> on Facebook, but a good example otherwise. So let's say you are a, a truck dealership ford truck dealership in denver colorado um the the data logics info within there you could target someone who bought a ford truck that is five years old uh who lives within 25 miles of denver and that truck was priced at over thirty thousand dollars wow and then you can target them based, you know, maybe only one. You can add in your other targeting, right? So only men, maybe that's your target audience. Maybe your target audience is 40 and up. Uh, So you combine it with your other targeting as well. So potentially extremely powerful. So new, I have not heard of results at this point. So, because really the the value of it all goes down to the quality of this data. Um, And so it's it's hard to tell, but you, you pick a single category, it's a, million, a lot of times it's millions of people in this. So lots and lots of data. And then you can cross those categories. You can pick pick multiple categories at once, which is our, start zeroing in. So like I said, uh, like with the truck buyer, I mean, if you focus just on someone who owns a truck, that could be many, many millions. But if you focus on someone who owns a truck, who owns a Ford truck, who owns a Ford truck that was purchased five years ago, then it starts whittling down and down and down and down.
0: Let's talk a little bit about and, and this is going to be my last question. Let's talk a little bit about price. Um, how does Facebook determine the cost? Um, I know there's typically, you got this cost per thousand, the CPM, and then you've got the cost per click, right? But how, when you start adding all these filters, so to speak, into it, does the cost typically go up? And um, can, can you give some kind of idea of how the costs compare to Google alternatives, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people might be familiar with Google pay-per-click.
2: Right. I mean, it, it depends on uh, competition, ultimately. Right. But, uh, I mean, you have, you have three main options. You have cost per click, cost per 1,000 uh, impre- impressions, and the optimized uh, cost per 1,000 impressions. So where they show your ad to people most likely to perform desired action. And in these cases, it's, it, in, within Power Editor, you have the option of either doing it on auction basis or on a fixed price. Uh, more often than not, everyone's doing via auction. So you bid, say, $3 or something per either CPM or click or whatever it is, and that is the amount you will pay up to. Right. So if you have no competition, you will pay a whole lot less than that if you have a lot of competition and everyone's paying more than that you're not going to get your ad shown. So the price of the ad is going to depend on the competition. And the, the generally the wider the that, uh the less relevant your your audience, especially if you're on desktop as opposed to mobile, uh the price starts going down.
0: Now, do you help clients? Do you have clients that you help manage their ad campaigns? Absolutely. So, can you kind of Give some people that are listening some ideas of what a typical like monthly spend might be for different kinds of clients just so they can get a feel because I think so many people just assume this is just way out of the ballpark.
2: Oh goodness, it, this is a thing it does it fits anyone's budget. so somebody like me, I mean, I started out spending like twenty five bucks a month. You can spend a dollar a day if you want. Hmm. or if you are like uh, helping a New York Times bestselling author when they released a book. We were, you know, we were spending more in, in the, the hundreds uh, per week. Uh, I was helping uh, another client that's in sports. We're looking at hundreds per day. Uh, but it depends on your goals, but it can fit anybody's budget. And um, so, so if you just want to, say, grow your audience and get new likes, just like, there these are two ads I constantly have going every day. One is the domain-sponsored story, which we haven't talked about, but one that drives traffic to my website. I have it going for like three bucks a day and I've got a page like sponsored story where it's serviced to people, uh, who are friends of fans already to, to increase likes. And that's usually just for a couple bucks a day. So I have a base of just five bucks a day for my budget. So that's just an example of it. You can spend as little or as much as you want, depending on your goals.
0: Well, folks, um, As you can tell, this is a big topic and uh, Facebook can do a lot more than many of us realize. Uh, I know I've learned a lot, (laughs) John, just from this interview. If people want to learn more about you, John, um, and maybe read some of the articles that you're writing on this um, topic, where might you send them?
2: Johnloomer.com is the best place to go. I write about all of these topics, anything you can imagine, uh, any of these topics we've already discussed. I've written about it. So if you just go to my site and type it into the search, whatever that topic is, it will show up. Um, I I publish five days a week, and that includes a podcast. uh, That's a social media podcast and a video blog and guest posts that come in. So we exhaust this topic. And social, yeah.
0: And your page. podcast again is for the, for the podcast listeners, obviously social media pub cast, right?
2: That's right. That's right. So we have a lot of fun. It's basically like we're sitting down at a bar talking about social media marketing the way we nerds do, right? Well, thanks for uh, cracking
0: open a virtual one with me. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> uh, John, it's really been awesome uh, talking to you about this and I look forward to learning a lot more from you in the future. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Mike.
0: Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. I know that uh, John brought up a, a lot of really cool ideas. Um, if there's anything in particular that we mentioned in the interview or the earlier part of the podcast uh, that you want to reference, you can get to the show notes by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash 39. And you can also leave your comments about the show there as well. Uh, if, if you enjoy the podcast and maybe this isn't just your first episode, but you've listened to a couple of them, you can help us uh, get the word out in two ways. Uh, The first way is to head over to iTunes uh, and give us a rating and a review or, you know, one or the other. Uh, Socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes will take you right there. So you can do that. And I would be very indebted if you'd be willing to do that. The other thing, which is even easier, is to just go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. What that will do is populate a tweet into your Twitter stream. And you can do this on your mobile phone just letting your friends know that you like the Social Media Marketing Podcast. This does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day, and may social media continue to change your world.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
0: Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.